welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. There we go. We're live. Hey, um, guys. hey everybody. So a little bit different uh, atmosphere this week. We're in my classroom up here in West Philadelphia. I came up to clean my room up and I have my friend Michael here who I'm going to interview or like not interview, but like introduce in just a second. Wait for people to get on here. Uh, I see you, Hales Teach and Tracy Pinter on there. Um, so look, if you are new to this, if you've never been, if you've never checked this out before, what you're watching right now is Sunday night teacher talk is essentially created around the idea that a lot of teachers get nervous on Sunday nights. They don't want to go to school on Monday or they're freaking out about like what, you know, maybe you're teaching summer school this year. Maybe you're getting ready to teach for the first time this year and you don't know you're looking for help. So there's two different ways that we're going to be able to help you tonight. One, myself and Michael will answer all of your questions. Anything, nothing's off the table, right? Put anything in there. We'll answer whatever you got. But all these folks in the comment section over here, too, are here every week. They are tried and true people. They only are here to care about you. Every once in a while, some weirdo shows up in there. We just get rid of them because Tracy Pinter and Unicorns Rock have their finger on the button. But uh, they are here to help you also. So I don't know everything all the time. And maybe Michael and I can't help you with something, but everybody that's here can help you as well. If this doesn't work or if you don't get time to answer your ask your question or you're watching this and you live in China – and you cannot watch it when it's airing, go onto our Facebook group, Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. It's a closed Facebook group that's only for educators. There's no parents. There's no companies trying to trying to get you to buy stuff or whatever. It's there to help are really, really wonderful. Outside of that, I also do mentoring online. So if you would just want to do a one-to-one teacher, I can mentor you through that also. Or have me come speak at your school or have Michael come speak at your school. And then... I have both of us come speak here at school. That was that would, that'd be pretty good. Welcome to Michael Matera, who's in Philly for the ISTE conference. He is also the uh, brain behind the High Summit and is going to be speaking at ISTE. So want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Michael Matera. I wrote a book, Explore Like a Pirate, kind of all about gamification, playful learning. I have a YouTube channel, uh, just Mr. Matera, and that's all about finding the joy in life, learning, and sort of growing, uh, and so I'd love you for check that out. And huge fan, so I'm excited to be here on the channel. And also, if you're in Philly at ISTE, I have two sessions coming up. I have Joy Hacks on Monday, that's at 118A at 9 a.m. And then I have another one called Immersive Learning, and uh, that's Tuesday at 4:15 and 204C. So if you can check those out, that'd be great. If not, definitely like hit up my YouTube channel or Hive Summit would be awesome because we have, we have, I can't remember all the speakers' names. I got like most of them memorized, but. That are going to be there? You're going to, oh wait, so I, I, he's going to be there. I'm speaking there as well. He's speaking there. We're both at, at Hive Summit. Check it out. It's a free online digital conference. Uh, starts August 1st through the 14th. Each day you get emailed a new video. We're both one of the videos. And if you sign up now, you guys get these honey drops, are, which are past year's videos. And you can soak up all that knowledge. It's a free community. Last year, we had 14,000 people, 42 countries represented. And some of you weren't there. We want all of you there this time. And it's free. It's free. So go to hivesummit.org, sign up. It's easy. Easy, easy. 
what are you speaking about at uh, ISTE? At ISTE, uh, the joy hacks are these little things you can do to bring joy to your classroom, your students, yourself, your whole school, as well as like hopefully your life. That's just uh, that's a good one. And then the immersive learning is about building experiences for students, kind of like truly trying to take up your lesson that whole other notch. That's just it makes it unforgettable for both you and them. That's awesome, man. That's uh, I talk about that a lot. Where like um, we talk about sprinkling magic on your classroom a lot, and so how it doesn't have to be this huge endeavor all the time. It's no. all these little things that you do that make it something special, right? It's it's it is the difference between me buying the not so secret wife flowers on her birthday and any other day of the year. Like it's just those little things are. It keeps her coming around for 25 years. You know what I mean? So, um, is this a question? Your first one was, where am I? I'm right here. I'm oh, always here. She's always here. She's always on the side. <laughs> <clears throat> Never on screen. So, yeah. that's a. It's kind of like, what was that thing from the Adams family that only know. had the hand? I don't know. Cousin it? No, he was with the hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget I what that was thing. Thing, it was right? just the thing, right? It was just the hand that came out. <laughs> This is my wife. I'm just a worker. <clears throat> sounds crazy. Uh, you have a question? No. All right. So if you have any questions, leave them in the comment section. We're willing to talk about anything that you are wondering about. Um, I'm speaking on Tuesday at ISTE with uh, Michelle from Pocketful of Primary and Bridget from the Letter Classroom about how social media can make your classroom the best year ever. And Michelle's talking on the high summit as well. Yeah, she is. She is. She's on a cruise right now. Um, I'm the only one sitting in my laundry room all week doing doing work. Thank you for this. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Is uh, that's so is anyone, yeah, that's a good question to start off with. Is anyone still in school? Does anyone still have class going on right now? And if so, when are you finished? Because I feel like we have friends like New York City is yeah. still in school all through next week. I feel like I've been on break for a month now. Uh, how long have you guys been finished? We wrapped up two weeks ago. That's it. That's, two weeks. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. been me, but it feels like longer. No, yeah, like a week. I'm in the vibe now. We are. I didn't put real pants on until like <laughs> an hour and a half ago. It's been a tumultuous yeah, ending there to the school year for us. It is. Personally. But it's been getting a lot of work done and stuff like that, yeah. which feels good. Uh, Unicorns Rock is asking, how's my basement? So we had a really bad storm here the other day and I got like, I don't know, six inches of water in my basement or something like that. And I don't have a sub pump or anything. So I had to just, I, I got my shop back out and I borrowed everybody's hose for their shop back. And I just <laughs> duct taped them all together. And that's how I sucked it out. That's basement. some ingenuity right there. Well, then... <laughs> It rained again that day, and it just flooded exactly the same amount. So we amount. have to do it again. We still, probably like, tomorrow morning we'll do it. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm living it's this fun. dream where – and it only happens every – like, it's been like six years since it <laughs> flooded before. And that was the only time I ever did before, so I just, like, don't take care of it. But that's what my life looks like right now. Um, still in school till August 3rd. What? Summer school, I think. Shauna Caldwell, are you teaching summer school or is that, do you live in Australia? Uh, summer school for college finished August 2nd. Then I start teaching high school that same day. Uh, Diana Forbes, what are you teaching in high school? So I know that if I've seen you on here before and stuff. I was just wondering. Uh, three more weeks of school? Erica, what church? Oh my God. 
Did you see what she said? <laughs> see you. See you uh, on there. You can see it. Yeah. Make sure your gutters get cleaned out. Yeah, all that stuff. I got it under on lock. I just live close to the river. So that's that. Um, I teach high school. I will teach physical science this summer. I'm teaching chemistry inclusion until the end of the year. <clears throat> yeah. So what what worked for you this year in school and what was like a struggle for you this year? I had like a, I gotta admit, I had a fantastic year. Really? Yeah. Good for you, man. Like dynamite year. And I think a big piece of having it be a dynamite year is sort of believing believing in the students. Like I know it sounds corny, it sounds silly, but like to to show up every day and remind the kids that, remind yourself that, and it sort of changes the dynamics of the classroom. And kids kids would like just push themselves to to do the best they could. I mean, I, I talk about in my classroom leaving a legacy and like this is their one time being, I teach sixth grade, this is their one time being in sixth grade. Kids always push back. They're like, this is your one time being my teacher, Mr. Matera, how are you gonna leave a legacy? And I love that, I love that dynamic of us both showing up to do kind of the absolute best we could. And this year, I don't know, this year it just super resonated with all the students and yeah. resonated with me. I mean, when they're doing, when they're pushing themselves, you push yourself, they feel that, they definitely feel like you're trying to bring the best you can bring. And it, it was just a dynamite year. Was, it, was there anything this year that did not go so well that you gotta kind of like figure out or was a struggle at all? Uh, it doesn't have to be a yes either. I'm just wondering. You know, all in all, like maybe I'm trying to just have rose-colored glasses, but it it was really awesome, and I, I love it. I got in the habit this year of sort of seeking the positive, like finding the good, and it's amazing. Like that same loop that we can get into for the negative and finding the negative, it can be true for the positive. And a couple of teachers and I started to make lunch announcements about the positive. Like we would just compliment like, Hey, I just had this class and they did awesome. They nailed their debates today. I, I one class. I mean, I literally said like, these are the moments that I will like remember forever. And I just had that. So I wanted, like I had to come up here and say thank you to that class. So the more specific you can be in your compliment, don't just say like you guys did great. I mean, that's a generic compliment. It's going to have a generic impact. So when I could be really specific to what they did uh, and then even give a little public recognition, that's unexpected, yeah. right? Like they didn't expect that I was going to come up. This isn't like a thing. It wasn't like you won the month of the whatever, whatever. It was just because I noticed. And then, I don't know, like everyone, like the posture of the room changed. Even kids I don't teach, right? Even like the seventh graders that were sitting right there were kind of like, whoa, like teachers notice what we do. And that just affects the culture I don't know. So, like, I don't want to say I didn't have anything, but in light of the good, the bad just sort of got overshadowed. I think that's how it rolls, too, right? Like, if you're focused on that, on the good. So, I had, so I read this, I think I read this in a book recently. I forget where we talked about this. There was an, ex, it was like sort of the power of intention. And I don't mean like, and look, some people, and I don't know where I stand on this necessarily, like, what you focus on is like what becomes your reality, but in some way, this person was saying, for 10 seconds, I want you to look around where you are and notice everything that's green, right? And so this is the exercise. You look around, you notice everything that's green. You wouldn't notice that, like, the green in that poster or the tree or his book bag or um, 
Brody's shirt or like anything else, right? And then you close your eyes. And the, the next part is tell me everything around you that was red. And you can't think of anything that was red, right? You're like literally like sitting there like, is my car red? Like, I don't even know what was red around me. And the idea there is that what you look for, you start noticing. And what you're not looking for escapes you. And so if you're focused on goodness and on positivity, you start noting those things. Doesn't mean negative stuff doesn't exist in your life, but it's just what are you focusing on in those moments starts showing up more. So I don't know if that is some sort of like magical manifestation of that, or if it's just kind of always been there, but you just didn't notice it before. And there's a book, uh, The Happiness Effect, and it talks about, yeah, yeah, yeah. It talks about in your brain, uh, your consciousness is like a spotlight. Mm. And so like all of your, your brain is taking in all this input. I'm seeing the good and the bad and the like ugly and the things that smell bad. I'm taking it all in, but it's like your consciousness is like a spotlight. So where you're choosing to put that spotlight, that is what you're going to process. So you, you could be processing the bad, you could be processing the good. And the more we can kind of like train, and like you said, be intentional about where we're focusing that spotlight. Uh, like at least brain-based research shows we can kind of lean towards the positive. Yeah. And you can train yourself to default to that positive. And I guess that's what I found this year, which I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're pushing me on it, I don't know. Like maybe this year was just as good as any other year. But that's what I was noticing. You know? And that's all. I think that's the shift that a lot of folks need most of the time is like choosing to look at that. Um, and look, that's easier said than done. I realize like that there's tons of people that have really difficult schools and they're like, well, what if this happened or what if this happened? It's like, everyone's going to have one of those, but we had one of those, man, I've had a ton of those many years like in that. the last mm -hmm. two years. I, I feel like every year there's a thing, there's like a thing in our life that is like literally crushing. Right. So this year, whether it was my grandmother getting sick and then passing away or um, stuff with the kids schools or just like my year in general was really, really difficult and, and kind of sticky. And, but like, I, but now it's my choice. Like, how do I want to go into next year? Am I done with this? Do I feel like I don't want to do it anymore? Or do I just like, you know, put my man pants on and handle my stuff? Like, yeah. that's what I do. So my uncle used to tell us all the time, put your man pants on and handle it. Um, oh, there's, I apologize ahead of time. There's no way I'm going to, I can't, I can't do vows. I'm, I'm like, I no think one in our house can, the more I study I dyslexia, it. the more I start realizing that I'm pretty sure I'm like some low level dyslexic. And if there's too many vowels in someone's name, it's just a wrap. Like I can't even forget it. Um, Marik, Marika, maybe Vanderak, Acker. I apologize. I apologize if I can see your name right. Uh, the question though is a good one. Any book, book recommendations to teach so are you, are, so is that how like, are you seeing that to teach in class to teach in class um i would teach any of these books i have up here uh so i i would do lord of the flies i do the odyssey persepolis fahrenheit 451 and merchant of venice every year those are all intentional with the exception of merchant of venice as one i have to do but i make the best out of it i really like romeo and juliet better but uh i teach all those for a reason now, next year, I'm looking for a book that is going to be um, like more along something my students can identify with more like from the jump. Like they will see that it is someone that looks or sounds like them or is in a predicament like they are and not predicament, but like lives a life in which is similar to theirs. Um, but I like teaching the books that I teach because I think there's life lessons. I think 
like Lord of the Flies is so has stuck around for so long because it's it's not just a bunch of white kids stuck on an island somewhere during World War II. It's like there's so many places in there that, that students can connect to to their real lives that it's just bigger than that. Same thing with Fahrenheit 451 and Merchant of Venice. Like there's a reason Shakespeare is stuck around for so long because human experience is so it's so relatable, whether you live 500 years ago or now that I just think all that stuff can connect in there. Um, do you guys read anything in your class? Do you use that in class at all or what? Uh, so I teach sixth grade world history. So we don't really get to too many novels, but uh, one that I really suggest if that's a genre that you want to do or some sort of historical fiction, I really, really like uh, The Youngest Templar. It's a three book series and it's just fantastic. I mean, the kids always seem to love it. The, the language in there really brings it to life. And there's a strong female character, strong male character. I mean, it just really covers the the board, but like it's well-written, historically accurate. Uh, it's a fantastic read. Yeah. So there you go. Those are our recommendations. Um, I, I think the, the bottom line for me is anything that's going to make kids want to read also. So like, there's a reason I have like all these books in my room and I get to pick anything that I want. And I used to pick those books for the students. And now I have the students pick them for themselves. So I have a budget every year that any book that some kid wants, I just order it and I have it in my room forever then. And I, I want to put books in front of you that you're going to want to read. And, you know, that's what my friend Colby Sharp is always saying is like, that's the thing that is, really going to draw kids in is like putting something in front of them that they want to read, like, and then they'll want to read more. Um, the follow-up to that is in relation to the question, which book do you hate strongly dislike teaching? I don't know that I've ever, have you ever taught anything that you really didn't want to teach? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But like, uh, I'm sorry, like being, tell, a, tell being, being like a history teacher, like there are just times in history that are not very interesting yet. Like they connect and they tell the story. Like, so I don't know, like teaching railroads in America are not the most exciting thing. So there are those moments yeah. where you're like, mm. but like it, it connects to everything else. So you at least have to dedicate like a day or two to that. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot of teachers that I hear that say like, yeah, sometimes we just, they're sometimes you just can't make it fun. Yeah. Right. Like there's some ter certain things. And I love that you always turn that back to like grit. It's like, yeah, just life. There's you're not always going to love everything you do. No, you I will say, though, like, push up suck. But I will say, like, think like sometimes using that as like a, a creative push to try to change something around. So now I teach world history. Mm -hmm. And one of the like topics we, we had to study was illuminated manuscripts. Right. These like time when monks would just like write these things out and. It was not the greatest lecture. It's another one of these like boring sort of topics. Yeah. Um, and then I decided like, <laughs> I love to do simulations in my class. I'm like, is there any way I could like turn this into something fun? And so boom, I transform my classroom. I get these LED candles. The room is like pitch dark with just these candles lit. I shut all the shades and I put on some like Italian monastery music up on my like screen. I got like a fireplace going and uh, I say, like, welcome to the foothills of Italy. Like, we are at an Italian monastery. Oh, that's so they fun. all come in, and then, like, they're all like, they're jazz, they're excited. And I'm like, ooh, forgot to tell you, you all took a vow of silence. And then, like, boom, <laughs> they all knew they had to come with like a text they liked, like, Love. if they loved Harry Potter, whatever. And then they're going to have to just 
transpose that, like, right? So it's not creative writing. It's a rather boring task, but that's like the point. Like these monks just had to be human copy machines and the kids do that for like, I think it's like 30, 40 minutes silence writing. And then at the end, we like talk about it. We process that. Like, how did that feel? What was it like? And so many interesting things come from that, like being in the digital space that we all are. I'm at a one-to-one school. A lot of the kids said they kind of liked it. They liked this like yeah. peaceful moment. They liked this quiet moment. They couldn't believe how much they got done in that quiet focus time. Yeah. Some kids said like, you know, the first five minutes I was crawling with like anticipation of wanting to talk. And then that simmered down. Some kids hated it, you know, like because they wanted to talk, but it was just a fascinating thing. But I got that push from it's not my favorite thing to teach. But I wanna like I wanna try to make yeah some killer lessons that people love. Uh, and that 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 turned kind of a frown into a, <laughs> a smiley yeah, that, face. That's the muscle too, right? Is like once you start getting good at doing that, so I I hated teaching Romeo and Juliet the first year that I did it. We had to read it in like that old kind of sort of like classic Shakespeare language and the students didn't understand it. It was such a drag to do it. And so the second year we transformed our classroom into the set from Romeo and Juliet out of cardboard. I went to Home Depot and like filled my car up with uh, tons and tons. My Ford Escort um, Sport Edition which uh, just meant had a fin on the back, even though it was like zero to 60 in 60 minutes. Um, we, so we just made the room into this space that you wanted to read. And then again, like, like had candles and lowered the lights and like made it this, created the space to do it. And then everyone wanted to do it. And I think, so it was Romeo and Juliet for me. And then, uh, oh, now I'm going to forget his name. Um, Frederick, uh, the life of Frederick Douglass. That was awkward to me. I taught it my second year teaching and it was like talking about slavery and being the only white dude in the room and talking to black and brown children about this moment in history. It was, it was awkward. And then we flipped it to like, no, let's have this talk about like the human experience and like what this must've been like. And like, really like, what does this mean now? Like how, where are these, these injustices being like still happening now. Let's not talk about like, it was just this hidden thing in the past that we don't really want to get into. Let's dive deep into this. And it made for really open, honest conversations about a million things that came from learning how to have hard conversations. Like this is not always the easy thing to talk about or get into, but like, we're going to do it. And like, let's, let's attack it and go on offense instead of being nervous about it. And that's, and I think I've just gotten good over the years at like making things I don't want to do something I want to do anyway, but that's a good muscle I think for teachers to, to exercise because then it, it makes you think in, in creative ways instead of just like, oh, all right, here we go. This is going to suck, but we'll get through it. I just think that's a fun thing to do. I also think if you're going to do it year over year, like I, I love my job. I think I'm going to teach world history for quite some time. I don't want to approach that every year with right. this is the unit that stinks. Let's just get through it. Right. Like, yeah, I want to flip that. I want to like put my talent into it so that it can change and it yeah. can be good for students and good for me. Yeah. And it makes it more fun for you to show up to school and do something. Yeah. hundred awesome. percent. Yeah. Uh, so Kimberly Wallback is asking my daughter is beginning ninth grade in the fall. Any tips? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I, Here's an idea I like that I told someone not too long ago. 
I think it would be very interesting for a student to write their teachers a letter beforehand saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is how I learn best. Um, and give that teacher some knowledge on the front end, knowing who you are. I think that puts you in such a position of power going into the year. And by power, I mean that teacher, you already exist. You're already not flying under the radar. They know that maybe you don't love talking in class or that you struggle with this certain type of, um, like you're not particularly good at math or writing or you don't like reading aloud, but you don't mind reading quietly. Like it's like letting them know on the front end who you are. I think it's just a great thing to do in general. Like it's like before you go on a date, it would be great if that person knew that like, I don't like crowded spaces. I don't, I don't really, that's not a really good metaphor because I don't date. It's been a long time. But <laughs> you don't really know. Okay, I don't really on that know, list. I don't really know well, what's I mean, going on out there. Um, it's really just personal, though. That yeah, you're, like, it's, letting it's just letting know. folks know how you rock, and I just think that that's a really good move. Um, yeah. What do you think? I don't teach ninth grade, but I mean, I think it's always good to sort of like teach kids to both advocate for themselves, yeah. and uh, I don't know. I liked your language about not flying under the radar. Like, show up. I mean, like that's such a big part of life is just showing up. So if, if, if she's going to begin this new, new school year, to, you know, try to talk to her about trying new things. I mean, high school is going to offer all sorts of new opportunities. There are going to be new friends she meets. So, you know, really like trying to coach her through that openness of trying to like meet new people, do new things, maybe try something out of her comfort zone, you know, join the play, join track and field, like whatever, the case may be, but just something that's a little outside of her comfort zone because you don't know what's going to like spark something. So I don't know, just those conversations about openness and showing up really. I think getting involved is really important too <clears throat> for teachers as well. Like when you connect with someone outside of the activity that you're involved in all the time. So like you're in English class, but then you're both on the track team or you both went out for a marching band or whatever. When you build those bonds, that stuff comes back. So that's why I tell teachers all the time to like get a drink with someone, get a cup of coffee with somebody, invite them over for dinner, like do something outside of school because then you're bringing that story with you to school. And you're also bringing that like kind of good vibe. Like, you know, you have something to laugh at. You have something to talk about. Like you're building a history together and it makes hanging out in school so much better and more vibrant because you know those folks. And, and I just think that, it helps. I think it also like can help with like, I don't want to say bullying, but like this idea that if you're in multiple things, you have multiple like safe camps to like bump into. Like there's going to be yeah. somebody in her third period class from the track team. And then like, Ooh, like that's cool. Like remember when we were in the play last year, that person's in their like seventh period class. And they're just, the day will sort of swing between like going from one person she knows to another person she knows, another relationship she knows. And if she shows up and those teachers start to know her, like all the better, right? Like then there's those safe spaces as well. And it just depends. It leads up to, I think, a really strong first year that will just set her up for a strong high school career. Yeah. I, th I think especially when you're, so I was weird in high school, but when I found the other weird kids, it was like, oh, there's like, I'm not the only one. It's like it's. I always say it was like the, the Island of Misfit Toys from the Rudolph the Red News Reindeer movie. I'm like, oh man, there's like a water pistol that shoots jelly over there. Like, and I'm a Jack in the Box named Charlie. We, we are destined to be friends. Uh, Hail Siege is asking, what are you reading for fun in the summer? What are you reading? Are you reading anything at the moment, or 
planning to read stuff? Uh, so that's going to sound weird. I only read nonfiction, so I feel bad saying that in an English teacher's class. Sorry. We will give you a pass. But uh, I just really love the, the process of learning. So I usually just oof, just try to jam in as much. Uh, I also like signed up for Audible this past year so I could even like be learning on the go. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much we can take in when we fill those spaces of like a car commute or, you know, folding the laundry. Uh, yeah. So the last one I just finished up was on talk like Ted. It was for the guy that runs Ted talks. Oh, really? That was a powerful book. It was pretty cool. Uh, filled with like amazing stories. Uh, so I finished that one and coming up, I think. I'm going to reread a book. It was my favorite book. You said that like it was like you're admitting. Like, I'm like admitting. Like, I think it's okay to reread a book. I think yeah. There was great. like a bajillion books, so there's always that pressure of yeah. like, I want to read like yeah. new ones. But yeah. my favorite one I read last year was The uh, the Power of Moments um, by the Heath Brothers. And so good. I think every teacher should read it, The Power of Moments. I'm going to do a YouTube thing about it. It was fantastic, so I want to reread it so that I can have that fresh in my mind for my YouTube video. That's awesome. So there was a, a Radio Lab. Do you know this podcast, oh, yeah. right? So they did a video years ago called uh, – I'll link this in the description below so you can check this out. But it was about moments, and it's a, just a really quick video of, like, all these different, like, like not even a second – moments in people's lives of like whether it's the birth of a baby or or a balloon popping or blowing the candles out in your birthday cake like all these little moments that sort of like compile our lives and it was really great idea so that's i'll have to check that book out it's Um, fantastic i have books that i reread every year uh but over the summer i'm reading i just finished kevin hart's book which was more profound than i thought it was going to be and i also learned that reading books that are funny while running is a terrible idea because you're like running and then you're just you're like, breath. yeah you're starting to laugh and you're just like and you look like a lunatic because you're just like laughing in the middle of the street like <laughs> often late at night because I don't run till too late sometimes. Um, I just got Av- Adam Savage's new book. Uh, I think it's called Everything Is a Hammer. He's the guy that was on MythBusters. Okay, and he is fascinating. Like he has a really great YouTube channel called Tested. And he just is a fascinating dude into a thousand different things that, that I really, I really like when people do that. And do you ever see uh, Veritasium, that channel? No. If you like Adam Savage, I think you're going to like Veritasium. Oh, really? Check it out. I'll check it out. Unbelievable. And then um, I don't read, uh, I don't read education books, which I think like a lot of folks are always asking me like, what are my favorite like teacher books? I like I read a lot of books by entrepreneurs and or business books because I think it lends itself so well to the classroom. It is you're crushing it. I hear you. I did. I, I did. did. Me too. He uh he actually gave me a copy when we were hanging out. Like, I it. wasn't able to do that. Signed it. Not invited. So um Gary but, v, I'm, I'm like, Yeah. So but <laughs> if you're he, listening. That book actually put me on to a bunch of other people because one of the guys in the audio book. Uh, is a guy named Rich Roll who wrote a book that I'm fascinated with this dude, Rich Roll, who has a Rich Roll podcast and he was an alcoholic, became um, like an entrepreneur and what does he do? Like ultra marathon runner and is just like a really incredible guy. But he grew his business after reading Crush It by Gary Vee and then it just blew up from there. So, and then 
Gary had him do the audio book. Like he reads certain parts of the audio book for him and stuff. So nice. it was awesome. Um, but yeah, those are my choices this summer. If you like that, like another book I'd recommend that is 48 Laws of Power. I do know that name, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's a good book. Fabulous read for anybody. Like it says the history teacher, but there are all these history vignettes. So like it teaches you a law, then it gives you two historical examples, and then it gives you like a modern day. Like, really? This is how it would apply to your life. I'm going to have to go back and watch this and write all this stuff down. Because so, if I ask at the end, I feel like I'll be like, all right, we're well, rolling. We're all... <laughs> Note these. Good thing I already wrote them all down. Oh, good, good work. Hmm. You, not to see <laughs> wife on the side. Uh, Maven Mystique is asking, how do you move on from attachments and inevitable changes with sets of students from year to year? I feel like nothing will be as awesome as this year. How do I keep <gasps> an optimistic outlook? That is a really great question. That is a solid question. Uh so first of all, I like that, look, and not to down anyone, the question I get that's similar to that all the time is, what if I had a really hard year and how do I bounce back to next year? But how do I have a kick-ass year and go into it and, and try to do that again, right? So so how do you go into next year after having this year? That's, well, I mean, like, I think you have to be really intentional of how you approach that new relationship uh, with those students. One, you cannot compare, right? Yes, because like you didn't do that this year. So if you're trying to have that same awesome year, you didn't see this year and say like you didn't compare them to last. You just taught them and it turned out this like magical, wonderful year where you were intentional and things worked out. Uh, at least in my experience, too, like I said, it was like this cycle of like I tried something that worked. And then it like drove me to try more. So, again, I really think that power of intentionality being like careful with what you do and like being intentional with what you do, like bringing your best. And then the other thing I would say is like, honor this fresh relationship, like welcome them to your class. Maybe and admit that like last year was an amazing year and you are excited to do it again. You are like, show them that like you love building these relationships. So like you're welcoming, welcoming them into your classroom and you're saying that they're continuing a story, right? Like you're, you're continuing this, this journey of being a teacher and them being the students and like, we're all in this together. But I think when you put yourself in that frame of mind, uh, you, you end up doing some powerful things in your classroom. And I think students are kind of taken back when they're like, one, you love your job. I mean, I think there's a lot of students that think we don't. And so like one, to have that, but two, to invite them to that positive space, to invite like, we're gonna we're gonna have a great time. Like this is gonna be awesome. We're gonna we're gonna learn a lot, grow a lot, change a lot. But like we're gonna do this together. I think it is, it is, that's so smart because I think it's a trap to think that it can't happen again, right? So I often think of my first year of teaching. I had some really really great students, and I remember thinking like, how could that get better? My second year of teaching is still one of my favorite years I've ever had in the classroom. It was just phenomenal. The kids were great. We gelled well together. Kids really got along. It was awesome. I think it's important to remember that we are in the business of planting seeds as teachers. And so what I mean by that is like my ninth graders that I have every year, I don't look at it as uh, I'm going to have you for ninth grade and that's it. And some, some of them get to have me twice if they don't do so well. But uh, I, those 10th graders, I look to rep me next year. I want them to come back in my classroom and tell students that they had a great time or like, yo, remember when we did this last year? This was so great. And then that all that does is build interest in my class then from the students that are already there. 
or the, my new students. And then even in terms of seniors, like because I teach high school, I get to see the kids when they come in freshman year and then when they go out senior year. And this year, especially I've had some, I had some kids leave that I was like, damn, man, like, I hope I keep up with these guys because it's, it's literally heartbreaking. Like, um, when I think back about certain students or see pictures, I'm like, yo, I really like really deeply cared for that guy. But then the fun thing is, so my guy, Akil, I had a student a few years ago named Akil. He graduated, I think two years ago, something like that. You're doing something. I always look at my wife like she's paying attention to me, but she's like, dude, I'm reading comments and answering questions and looking for stuff for you. Uh, he FaceTimes me the other day. I'm mowing my lawn in the backyard and I'm like, man, all kids always FaceTime too, which is super weird. Cause I'm like, bro, I'm not always in the position to be able to FaceTime. He FaceTimes me, stop the lawnmower. I'm like, what's up? He goes, yo Reynolds. I just had to tell you real quick, man. Um, I got my first classroom. He starts teaching first grade and he's going to be teach. So as a summer program and he started, he starts tomorrow and he's like, I just got my classroom and I wanted to show you it. So he's like FaceTiming me all around his classroom, right? And he's like, but I got to go now. I have a meeting. But I was just really excited. I want to share that with you. And to me, it's like those are moments you can still have with students, even though they're not in your classroom anymore. Like you you are building, but to speak about legacy, like you can build that legacy and still connect with those students long after they've been to your classroom. I, a student that I taught, I don't know, more than a decade ago came over after dinner the other night and like had like dessert with us and hung out at the dining room table and just came over to just check in, see how everything was going. And that to me, whether, whether or not you have students, like I realize there's a hundred red flags that could be thrown up from people. Like do you have people coming over your house and FaceTiming you? Yes. Um, that's not for everyone, but you can still keep up with those folks. And what you're doing is you're getting better every year. Take all that good stuff that happened this year and then like make it happen again next year and think of how you're going to even one up that game because you have no idea who's coming towards you that needs that needs that from you um, as a high school teacher, especially. So that's awesome. Uh, to, oh, the follow up to that was thank you. I have to say goodbye to my first set of seniors and we connected so well. It just made me sad and I'm looking ahead to how next year will be different. We'll be going into year number two in August. Maven, it can still be incredible. Like there's you just don't know who's coming up through the ranks that is been slow i'd like to think of like me and students have been slowly working our way towards one another our whole lives and then when we meet what kind of magic is going to happen with that when we do it's cool and and it just makes it fun it's like they could have moved a million times or someone could have you know you could have your parents could have got split up and you went to a different school whatever it is but it's, you didn't we've been we slowly our destinies brought us to one another and now what are we going to do with this year to make it the most awesome it could ever be uh, the other thing I guess I would toss out there for everyone is to think about like when you have that awesome year and then it's over, you're going into the next year or three years down the road or whatever. If you were to have those kids again, you know, how would you treat every day? And you probably would treat it like extra special because you know, this is like your favorite class. Right. And like now you need to like treat next year that way. Like you have 180 days or whatever it is. And like, sometimes we just let those days fly by and it's like, Ooh, but would you let them fly by if it was your favorite class ever? Would you, would you not like brought that best lesson plan, that best activity, that best conversation, that best version of yourself, if it was your best class, like maybe that's one of the reasons it was your best. So like, 
when things are tough and when you start that new class and they don't get it and they don't laugh at your jokes or whatever the case may be, you know, you still got to like show up and bring your best. And I think in time, like CJ always says, it's about relationships and like you just have to rebuild that relationship and it can get to that same point, but you have to show up. So I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Next question is, would either one of you want to do a TED talk? So, and if so, I want to ask, what would you do your TED talk on? Would you do a TED talk? I would love to do a TED talk. That's actually on one of my like bucket list. Like, so if you were running a TED talk organization, like, <laughs> yeah. hit me up. Give me the wall back. Yeah. What, what you got going on there? Yeah. Uh, what would it be on? It would obviously be on teaching and education. Uh, I don't know if I would do mine just on like, like what I often speak about is sort of playful learning, joyful learning. So it could be that. Uh, and then the other thing that I do a lot of keynotes on are kind of the power of intentionality and how like an adventurous spirit can lead to a great life. So I don't know, probably one of those, one of those things, but totally an interest for me. Yeah. Uh, going to sound dorky, but like my goal has always been like, I want to change the world in Whatever form that may be, I mean, it could be a tiny dent, right? That's what that was Apple's slogan, right? Want to make a dent in the universe, right? So, but when that's when that's your goal, uh, I had a very good friend that said like you should choose a goal not for like what it would mean to get the goal, but for what it will make of you to strive for the goal. And so, he was the one that pushed me to pick some big, big goal, and that was the goal I picked. Nice man, I think. TED Talks are fascinating to me. And I, and I think if I was going to do something, it would either be like the art of making something from nothing, which has been my whole life. Like I've just been, and not, not to over-dramatize my life, but like a lot of heavy stuff has, has come my way and, and sort of like finding the audacity to bounce back from that or the audacity to do anything, right? Like who am I to be a teacher or have a YouTube channel or think that I could speak at a conference or any, anything. And it's like, it's about getting over myself a lot of times and then doing the thing. So um, that is something I would feel really good about doing. And, and even in that, like, I'm really good at making things fun that aren't fun. Right. So whether it was when I got, had to like, I was the greeter at Home Depot or um, I dug holes for a summer or, I've played some gigs, like playing music at some really like nasty places. And you just always find a way to like make it the most fun thing you can. I just think that that is, that's a skill worth learning in your life. Cause there's a lot of really unpleasant things you need to do in life, but then there's ways to kind of figure out how to sprinkle magic on them and make them more interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's Ted talk. I've often thought about, making my own Ted sign, like a big one out of plywood and then just like crappily painting it. Just like my YouTube button over there that I have, that I made myself out of some plywood and an old tin can. That was awesome. And your kids were like, dude, what you, you got this. Yeah. So I've been working, I'm working, I have secret plans with other YouTubers that I'm working on right now. And uh, that can't go into yet, but like they, when I spoke to them, they were like, yo, so, I really want one of those. Like you should send me one of those play buttons. And I'm like, I really should. I, I would love to like be able to it do that for so people. It, it, it's so ridiculous. They don't, they don't have the specs online. You can't find out the sizes. And so what, what I just happened? 
Sorry, sorry. She took away the sun. The production quality. Uh, I'm gonna call you Eclipse from now on. Yeah, it was just like a really fun thing to do. But then, yeah. When oh. People, oh damn it! I'm sorry. I'm trying to help our daughter. I'm done. I'm done. You good now? I forgot you were in there. This is where kids sit in this box. I have this box in the back of my room that people sit in all the time because they like to cut out the external stimuli. So, uh, yeah. So I would love to do that. What What is um? While she's getting questions, what is another like? Are, have you ever had a goal? Like, do you let your students know your goals? Do you talk about that stuff in school or in? Hundred percent. I like to talk about goals a lot. I do. So on my YouTube channel, one of the things I do is these five for five goals. You pick like a goal that you want to try to do for five days and you do it with fidelity for five days. And it's really great to be able to like try different things. And like right when you're at that like Wednesday, like I'm tuckered out. I don't really want to do the goal. You're you're two days away from being successful and it builds this habit of success. And I like if my students to do it, a lot of them participate in five for five goals. It could be as simple as like keeping your desk clean, reading more. Uh, I did one hour of positive parent communication per day, whether it's phone call, email, or whatever. Uh, that was like, that was super fun to do. Uh, that was for you to do? Like you communicate with parents? For yeah, I communicated. Like what was cool about that is when you do a goal like that, a short-term goal, but you do it daily, uh, you notice these patterns, right? Because normally my parent communication would just kind of be sprinkled throughout. Yeah. Right? And I was three days in, and I had only contacted the mothers. And so I was like, huh, like I'm a single dad. Let's, let's call some dads. And so on Thursday, I called a dad. And I mean, he sat quietly as I like, again, was trying to be as specific as possible to what his daughter was doing in my classroom. And I mean, at the end, he just, he thanked me, he said, my daughter's 12. And I have never been the first to know something. And he's like, I am so excited to go home, sit at the dinner table, and bust this conversation yeah. out. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> but it's like those moments. Like, I would never even, like, thought of that because, again, I just sort of get in the flow and you just sort of contact a lot of the moms. And I don't know. So I do a lot of goal setting with my students then. We talk about short-term goals. Um, usually every year I introduce them. My, my first major was philosophy. And so I usually tell my students that, that I – not really a teacher. I have a philosophy and an advertising degree. And there's a great philosophy called the Keynesian way. And it's about micro goal setting, like stupid, tiny goals. Like you want to get healthy, like eat one carrot. Like you want to work out, like do one push up a day. And the idea is you're building a habit of success. Yeah. That like, no matter what, like you could have the flu and you're still going to like do one push up. Right. And the reality is on the other days when you get down on the ground and like you're down there, you're probably not going to just do one push up. Right. But, yeah. but the point is, that's all you have to do to be successful. And it's about those tiny little changes that over time produce huge shifts. And uh, we talked to my students about that. And then we did a club called the Power of 30. And that was 30 day sort of focused goals. And it's amazing. And like we try to support each other. We know each other's goals. We write them all down. We put them in a, I used to bottle my own wine. So we like, I had a wine corker and like, we put, we'd write it all down on a scroll, we'd roll it up and then we'd like, somebody would press it shut and we wouldn't yeah. open it until like 30 days later. But all the while, like trying to like- Have some wine it. with the kids afterwards. You know, like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. We all achieve our goals. Then. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Tim Ferriss talks about this idea a lot of like, if you want to start flossing, um, just floss your front two teeth. That's it. And then you're done. And so even, so a goal this year has been, I'm running every day for a year. And yesterday was day one, I think today's 196, something like that. And my students have followed me because I, I, I put it on Instagram every day on my stories. And I've had so many kids reach out to me that were like, Yo, I'm like doing stuff now too, because like, I just think this kid was like, I figured if your old ass could do it, like I should be able, <laughs> I should be able to do pushups every day. And I'm like, I think, thank you, I think, bro. Like, um, and it was just, it is, I think a couple of things. One, even in doing that, my minimum run is just a mile. So like, if it is thunder and lightning out, if it is freezing, like there were a couple of times this year where I literally thought my face, I was going to get, uh, like frostbite or something because it was so freezing cold out. So I only have to run a mile on those nights, but I still have to run. Yep. And or yesterday we were like out shopping and we were driving home. It was like a little after eight. And I was like, Oh no, I didn't run today. So I, we pulled over and it was only a mile to my house. So I had like regular clothes on, like, like just regular sneakers, not running shoes or anything. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to run home from here. So I just got out of the car stretched on the side of the road and then ran in regular clothes all the way back to my house. But that was it. It was like the miles, the minimum, but it's enough to be a pain in the ass, but not to be a deterrent. Sure. Like, like it's like, I can get a mile in. Um, and then sharing that with my students. I just think that if more teachers shared with their students, things about their lives that they're doing, it shows that you're still growing. You're still changing. You're still alive. You're still interesting. And I, cause I didn't, I just, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't grow up with, and this isn't a slight to my parents at all, but like they didn't have, they they didn't have goals that I knew about. They didn't have things that like, like 40, my my age, 42 was much older when I was younger. Like my parents didn't have any swag. They didn't have like, they didn't do cool stuff. Like my pop worked. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I you left it so wide open. Yeah. I um, somebody had to say it. <laughs> better for even me. if I don't. <laughs> it is more than my stepdad had when I was growing up. Like, no, so like my stepfather, like he worked all week and then he came home and like watched NASCAR on the weekend at football. And that was it, man. And like I look at my friends now, or at least the people I try to align myself with that are always doing cool stuff. Like, and I don't maybe people were out there doing that when I was younger, but I didn't notice it. And so I try to be very loud about what I'm working on in front of my students because I think it inspires them. It shows them that like, yeah, we're not done. Like, I think that's so important. I mean, like I teach sixth grade and I try as best I can to put these goals in front of them even. And like, that's, I eat lunch with my students and I, I mean, I talk through those goals. I ask them about them and it's so important. Like, cause I think you're showing like a tremendous amount of empathy. Like every day these kids are put into class after class after class to like learn a new skill do their best and then go to the next class, learn a new skill. And then the impression that I think the typical sort of teacher or typical adult gives off is that like, we're a finished product. Like everything I do, it's like, right. You know, like, cause I've prepared my lesson plan. So it's just there and it's right. And it's like, that couldn't be further from the truth. And I do think there's a lot of adults that stagnate and don't like continue to grow and continue to learn. And I want to, you know, we talk to kids about being lifelong learners and the power of that. You know, but I think we have to check ourselves and make sure we're doing it. And I think also there's power in saying it to students because 
then I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like then they'll ask me, they'll hold me to it. Like your five five goal is like a new meal every day. Like I, I didn't see your Instagram one yesterday. Like what what's up? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I just didn't get time to take the photo. I swear I did. I swear. They're like, what is it? Tell me. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that's also interesting for just having a YouTube channel, like this new pop of like teachers that have YouTube channels and want them to become something. Like the fact that they have to like it's a lot of work to do YouTube. You have to, it's, 100%. you know, but, but look how that connects to your students because they all love YouTube, right? It's a really neat connection. Really awesome. Yeah. It lets them see, like when I started my YouTube channel, there were all these kids that were like, Oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel also. And then two days in, they were like, Oh, screw that. It's a lot of work. And now when they see like, and compared to a lot of other folks, like my numbers aren't, where a lot of people's are, right? Or, but when you realize that you're you're working for everything you've you've got, right? To get like any, any brand deal that I get, any connection with other people, any speaking engagement that I get, like that stuff was hard won. It didn't wasn't nothing was just given to me. And for my students to watch me hustle every day, making videos after school, setting up my room, cleaning things up, yeah. getting kids on here, editing it, like putting my stuff out into the world, connect all the, all the connections that it takes on the, on the back end to meet people is, is I love doing out loud so the students can watch that. It's just really, really gratifying. And, and just think more people, cause who doesn't love that? Like people love watching folks win. And I think if we can do that out loud for our students, whether that's an exercise challenge or you're eating better or whatever it is, it's just cool to see your teachers like actually being like doing something. I think it's inspiring to, to kids, especially because they might not have anyone in their life that's doing anything cool, right? So like you are the example. So, yeah, I think too it like makes you at least to a sixth grader. I mean, a sixth grader literally thinks we live at the pool, like they don't know we have an outside life. So like to that's really why I have that couch back then. Yeah. So so they just think I sleep in the closet. Yeah. Like, and I have in my classroom, but for them to see like. A bit of themselves in you. I think it actually, I mean, dare I say, makes it okay to grow up. I mean, like they're kind of excited to grow up. Like I love my life. I come to school happy. I come to school excited to see students, see other colleagues. They see me do these side hustles. I tweet and Instagram about the places I'm going and everything that I, when I go speak, it's all about them. It's all about the pedagogy. It's all about playful and joyful learning. And I tell them, like, I'm talking about them. They'll see me, like, I'll show them some of my slide decks that I use. And, like, they're kind of excited about it. And then when we, like, do speeches, like, in other classes, like, even when they're done with sixth grade, they'll come back to me and be like, can, can you look over my slide deck? Because I'm about to give, like, a speech in eighth grade. Like, I want it to look yeah. just right. I love it. Because, like, they know you way more than just a sixth grade social studies teacher, which middle schoolers like will peg you. It's like, well, that's all you do. Like you can't do anything else. Like when you tell them like, let me help you with your math homework. Like you wouldn't know anything about math. You teach social studies. You're like, bro, I was a math teacher for a while too. Like I got this. I would not give my students that, uh, I would not tell them I will help you with math because it will all be wrong. I, I go, you also teach older kids. Yeah. I don't know if I would teach yeah. high school Maybe. math to anybody. I'm like, go ask Siri. I have no idea <laughs> what the Siri. answer to that is. Um, there's a reason I teach English. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's awesome. You have anything else? Nope. nope. Um, cool. So look, before we get out of here, it, it is ISTEs this week. If you're in the Philadelphia area, 
area, come check us out. You can walk, <clears throat> fun fact, through the halls at ISTE without paying for it, right? This is yeah. like an interesting thing because that's where all the magic happens. That's where you're meeting people and seeing people and, and connecting with folks. And that's where we met for the first time last year. I was hall. walking through the hall. Uh, I was on my way to get coffee. And that is, so there's a ton of folks that are going to be there. Michael's speaking there this week. I'll be speaking there this week. And then do you have anything else? And then you have the Hive Summit coming up. I got to say, like, well? sign up for the Hive Summit. I'd love for you guys all to be there. It's hivesummit.org. Uh, it's a fabulous conference. You got nine wonderful presenters this year. And you'll get to see last year's presenters. Uh, for that, too, we have, like, a Kiva fund that we're trying to raise money for people around the globe to, like, make a difference kind of. But the summit's trying to make a difference in your life. And then if you feel so inclined, you can donate to the Kiva Fund on there to make a difference across the world. Cool. That's it. Anything else we have to promote, push, tell uh, people about? There's a meetup if you're in. The oh, yeah. Area. And if uh, even if you're not going to this conference, myself, Pocketful of Primary, and the Letter Classroom, we're going to be doing a meetup at the Hard Rock Cafe this Tuesday at noon. So if you are anywhere near there and you want to come hang out, say hello. Be there. Michael's going to be there also. And I forget, I have some other people that are going to show up for that magic also. And then um, that's it. Anything else? That's it. I mean, thanks, guys. I'm so excited to meet all of you. So it was awesome to be on the channel. Thanks so much. Glad you could meet you. Yeah. Uh, and here's my awkward ending because I have to hit all these buttons to make this thing stop. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Peace. Gotta hit this thing. I gotta hit this thing.